Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me, and we are back after a bye weekend. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed their, their weekend off of Michigan football. Plenty of basketball content to read on the site. We'll end up, we'll eventually do a basketball preview podcast, but this one, previewing Michigan, Michigan State in football. Uh, big game, probably not as big as this game has been the first four years of, of Jim Harbaugh's tenure, but still a big game regardless. Uh, another another chance, as we've talked about a couple times in this podcast, for them to, you know, even if they don't contend for titles this season, you know, the, the rivalry games are effectively mini titles that you get to carry with you throughout the year. Uh, Paul Bunyan's trophy actually does technically make it a trophy game. Regardless, we're going to talk three three major questions if it's for slightly less major questions that's fine too we have three main questions then we have our over-unders and then our predictions at the end of this matchup so we can get started Steve let's go let's go back to Monday's press conference and I I don't really care much for the rivalry war of the words I I think we've talked about it on this podcast about how it's just it's so mental I mean you know it's just it's like people like get all up in their heads about they they aren't talking enough smack or they're talking too much smack or things like that. But I'm curious, uh, you know, we heard Ambry Thomas kind of talk about how he he know he feels Michigan State views this game as a Super Bowl. I personally I think that's probably accurate given how their season has gone. How uh, you know we heard Ben Bredesen talk about how they never really they never really go down quietly. I mean they're gonna they're gonna hit hard. They're gonna play really physical. They're gonna play through the whistle. Um, you know, he mentioned maybe a little bit after we heard Aiden Hutchinson talk about how much, you know, growing up, how much he hates Michigan State, how uh, excited he is to really play more in this rivalry because he didn't play a ton last season. Um, you know, we heard players. I wasn't there on Tuesday, but it's it's kind of the, the familiar stuff. I mean, it, it it's it almost seems like Michigan is they're not manufacturing, but they're almost exaggerating how how Michigan how angry and ready for this game Michigan State is almost I almost feel like they're like guarding themselves and they're saying okay they're going to be crazy so we have to amp up our motivation what do you think of this of this banter we'll talk about Michigan State's personnel and what they bring a little bit but just from a mentality standpoint what do you make of of Michigan's comments this week and then and then it's I got to imagine it's a it's an interesting game to get your team motivated for because they look like a team Michigan should beat by 30. But at the same time, if you have that mindset, do you, you don't want to be overconfident either. It's a tricky balance, I feel like, when, when you expect to beat them, but it's also a rivalry and they've, they've exceeded expectations before. What do you think of the, the, the rivalry rage, the motivation on Michigan's side um, from what you've heard and what you've seen so far? Honestly, I mean, I, I think it's legit for Michigan. I I, I go back to what De- I think Devin Bush. You know, people talk about the field stomping the year uh, last year, but uh, I remember lock the gates back in 2016 too. Uh, from I think it was either Bush Senior or Bush Junior. The old lock the gates comment when Michigan went into East Lansing and won that game. I, it's a weird thing, but I, th- I always feel like Bush is kind of the guy that really woke. Michigan up here a little bit. I think the players take this game incredibly seriously. I buy everything that they're saying. I mean, you know, there's a decent amount of these guys who were around for the miracle play in 2015. Uh, and guys, a lot of many more of those guys were there for the 
what was it, the negative five turnover margin and still only lost by three uh, game in 2017. Uh, I think these guys realize that, you know, here's the thing about Michigan State. They play Maryland and Rutgers after this. Now, Michigan State's always going to throw the kitchen sink at Michigan, but if you don't think they're going to throw everything at them on Saturday, you know, because there's nothing, there's no reason for them to hold back anything. You know, we talked about this earlier in the year. This is the latest these two teams have played in forever. And so, yeah, I think maybe Michigan guarding a little bit, but I don't think the intensity and the, the bravado is, I don't think it's manufactured. I think Harbaugh maybe kind of repeated it quite a bit uh, during his pressers and some of his other interviews about how, you know, we're not going to be caught basically not going to be caught off guard. You know, they're not going to catch us by surprise because we know, you know, D'Antonio, the master motivator, we know what they're capable of. So, um, yeah, I don't find it to be manufactured or anything at all. This is a rivalry game. This is more of a rivalry than right now than Notre Dame is, right? So, you know, whether there's not a ton to play for, you know, because that's the thing for Michigan State, they have everything to play for in, in this individual game now. Because this game, for them, you know, we say it's the Super Bowl for them or whatever, this would save their season just even – that won't save it fully, obviously, but – the tenor of the season could be different, you know, if they can win this game and then close out. Like I said, I know they've struggled this year, but you would expect them to beat Maryland and the beat Rutgers. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. It's been a weird week so far in my opinion, but I don't think that the banter, I don't think it's manufactured at all. I know Metellus is one of the guys who has talked a lot about it. There's a guy, I th- I've seen a couple tweets and stuff this week kind of implying, um, you know, I think this group of guys, really, they do not like Michigan State at all. And so, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to do everything they can to avoid sort of that letdown, given, like you said, on paper, this looks like a very a match yeah, I think I was, Michigan. I was actually explaining this to our to our Michigan State beat writer. Uh, there'll be a little back-and-forth Q&A that we'll be publishing later on this week. Ohio State is the bigger game, and it's the bigger rival but I think Michigan's players and coaches might hate Michigan State more, if that makes sense to our listeners. Like I think the, I think the hatred, the I hope they lose by fifty in every single game. I think that's more prevalent in how Michigan feels about the Spartans. And so I've gotten the impression that Michigan still isn't over 2017, 2015. They've kind of moved on. That was a Michigan State playoff team. You know, that's more one of those. Uh, Michigan's reaction is darn wish wish that could have been different 2017 I think they they still feel a little insulted uh, by the fact that they lost I mean they were double digit favorites if I'm not mistaken and then they ended up with an egg on their face Um, you know Michigan State didn't necessarily look like world beaters that season so it was really a game I think they're still kind of sour and salty about and so I, I I get the impression that they they really care quite a bit and that motivation is really high. I I think if you're worried about motivation being low, I think you almost look at that Indiana game still. Um, And I think that, you know, players are smart. Coaches are smart. They know that odds are, no matter what happens this season, it's going to be kind of, there's going to be a twinge of disappointment. The best they can hope for is bittersweet. But that's that's certainly a a nice alternative. I mean, if they go into the offseason and they've, 
They've won. They steamrolled Notre Dame. They won three out of four against um, Michigan State. And who knows? Maybe they find a way to beat Ohio State. If if they can do that, you know, they feel pretty good, all things considered. And so there's motivation. I, you know, I I'm sure I'm sure the players from in the state uh, really hope that they can just bury Michigan State because there's an opportunity to, and that's something that kind of erases 2017 a little bit, right? You know, and it's kind of weird having the two-year revenge because they won last year, and, you you know, they had a ton of fun winning that game last year. And I think that they want to they wanna do it again and kind of, I'm sure in with certain people, there's a, like kind of almost a, a component of pride that would come with breaking Michigan State. You know, Illinois kind of did it last week if you think about it, but... And just, I mean, this this would be a clincher if they won convincingly. So, yeah, I think motivation is really high. I I think, I think, you know, it's not it's not my favorite story to write, but I I think that you know a lot of the in-state players have very legitimate beef with Michigan State. I think the coaches are they they really don't like hearing about how you know they they lost the two home games. I mean, they they've only lost four home games and. Uh, under Jim Harbaugh, and that's in 32 games, and two of them were to Michigan State. So I'm sure they'd love to correct that course. Uh, let's talk a little bit about more about the game and the matchup. And my my overarching question, and we can break it down position by position. But I've kind of done, I've actually done that. I looked at each position who has the edge, and Steve, I don't do this very often. I gave every single edge to Michigan, position by position. Um, I mean, I don't think I even necessarily did that against some of the teams Michigan blew out. Defensive line, the only one that's Yeah, it's really the only one where I had to think, and I'd still take Michigan's defensive front. And so the overarching question is, is Michigan State broken? Like, is there, while while there's all the cliches, throw out the records, I mean, I feel like the proof is kind of in the pudding. They're missing six offensive starters to injury. I believe they're missing two or three on defense. Um, one to a uh, PED suspension, but the other ones to injury. The pass defense, I mean, Illinois hadn't thrown for, I think they'd thrown for 200 yards or more once this season. Brandon Peters threw for 369 yards last week. So clearly their work in coverage has has regressed. Uh, Josiah Scott and David Dowell were players who were pretty impressive last year. Not so this year. You know, the offensive line, I mean, this might be, I'm wondering, maybe Middle Tennessee and presumably Rutgers, is this the next worst offensive line Michigan has faced this season? And I really think it might be. I mean, they have two true freshmen. They're missing three guys to injury. Hey, you can go left to right. All of them looked bad for much of Michigan's game against, or Michigan State's game against Illinois. You know, I I think Brian Lewerke and Elijah Collins are fine. I think if they had. 22 players of that caliber. This this is probably a set eight and four ish team, but they don't. You know the receivers. They're missing Stewart. They're they're um, what Dotson. Their their tight end. He's out for the year now. Uh, they might have a couple other receivers like Naylor might be out. Um, Nelson Nielsen might be out. I mean, you can just go down the list. This team is in dire dire shape, and I think we made the we had the line last year. If this weren't Michigan State, I think we would be predicting Michigan to win by like 30 plus. 
Um, so I, I'm curious, yeah, I, is I there disagree. any, is there still any of that, but it's Michigan State component? Like, or are they, or are they capital B broken at this point to where you don't even see that part? <laughs> right. Here's the thing. Excuse my still getting over something here, but, um, you know, the, but it's Michigan State thing. If you actually go back and look at this rivalry, let's just say, like, let's just say since D'Antonio has been here. Cause really, I mean, if we're being honest, he's the one guy that's really kind of turned this really back into a bitter rivalry, right? I mean, he's the one guy that's most responsible for it. There, it, this is still a game where more times often than not, the Ross, the better roster is the one that has won the football game, right? There's this idea about voodoo and, you know, Michigan State maybe play, always playing their best game of the season against Michigan, which could be the case. But, you know, by and large, the more talented team has won this game more often. I think there are a couple instances maybe where that wasn't the case. But, but you know, again, in the rosters this season, and again, yeah, a lot of it is, you know, Michigan State the last two seasons, for being honest, has been a mash unit. I mean, they had the same problems up front last year with guys not being able to stay healthy. You know, is this is one of the more slanted matchups on paper between the two teams that I can can kind of remember. Yeah, I feel like right? 2013 uh, was maybe, and that was obviously favored Michigan yeah. State. I feel like that was the only other one that was right. like, wow, this team yeah, has no chance. Yeah, we saw it happen yeah. in that game, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, so I'm not. I mean, I'm. Not, I don't. I don't not buy the but it's Michigan State idea. Uh, it's just more so. I just always feel like this is still a game where the talent kind of tends to shine through. And yeah, you know, you know, I don't know if you're a Michigan State fan. I guess one thing you can kind of rest on is at least against Illinois last week, a lot of the guys that made plays for them offensively are were freshmen. Mm-hmm. Collins, Trey Mosley made a couple nice plays. The West Bloomfield yep. receiver, uh, you know, they do have their offensive line is pretty young still. So they're you, they have youth there and, and these it's kind of a baptism by fire for them because before Illinois, their stretch before that, there aren't many teams that would even go one and two in that stretch. You talk about Ohio state, Penn state, right. Wisconsin, <laughs> Michigan uh, might have but, gone but, in that stretch. Right. The difference though, I mean, what were they outscored? Like 80 well, something to like all, all th- 13. I think it was like something. over a hundred to 17. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, they weren't just losing, though. They were sure. getting blown out. So, because, um, yeah, you watched the game against Illinois last week, and you're thinking, okay, like, you're seeing some things. And I thought for the Lewerke, it was kind of a, uh, you know, four great plays, one horrible play type game. And those mistakes are going to kill you, and they did. You know, I mean, they had uh, two turnovers in the red zone that would have put the game away, I think, if they'd have scored on either one of them. And then another, that pick six that he threw was a, uh, you know, who knows what where that was going. I mean, that was a, a horrible decision, bad throw. So, you know, I, I don't know. The but it's Michigan State stuff, like I said, I just feel like despite the hatred and despite the theatrics and the banter and all that kind of stuff, I've just always felt like more often than not, the, the, the better team on paper has actually won this football game. And so I, as far as position by position – it is, man. I mean, on paper, defensive line's got to be the only one that's a debate. I mean, it's hard to believe, but, you know, you thought offensively Michigan on paper was going to be better. You know, we know how badly Michigan State struggled last year offensively. Thought maybe they'd get better. They've shown it in flashes, but not consistently enough to 
really say they've taken too many steps forward. You know, the thought was that Michigan State's defense would be good enough to kind of keep their offense afloat. And that really hasn't been the case against quality football teams. Um, they've still, they're still solid against the run. You know, you talk about how much Peters threw the ball for. Illinois didn't run the ball really effectively. Granted, they were down by a lot, so they probably weren't really going to be running the ball a ton. But, you know, when they did try to run the ball, they didn't really do it much with it mm-hmm. anyway. So maybe there's some challenge for Michigan there. But again, yeah, you're missing Bocce, who outside of Willikus is probably the team's best overall player, was the team's best overall player. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I'd, I'd have to give Michigan, on paper, you'd have to give Michigan the, at Michigan the edge at, at every position. Position group, yeah, maybe the, not the, literally each position compared to each position. Well, that's what I'm like. No, but I'm, yeah, sorry, position group, sorry. But I'm, same idea. So, because even at defensive line, top to bottom, you know, Michigan seems to be getting deeper almost by the week mm-hmm. up front, you know, at the defensive line. You know, Michigan State's, I think, is very good at the top. You know, Panashik and Willikis we talked about. Uh, Raekwon yeah. Williams is a good player. But Michigan, especially on the edge, just has a growing group of guys that can create havoc on you know around the edges. And, you know, same thing at linebacker, too, where all of a sudden you have a healthy Josh Ross in the mix too that we'll see how Michigan decides to handle that situation but still you know you have you know you know if somebody's to get injured or something like that you have a guy who started what 20 games 15 mm-hmm. games in his career to, to ready to come in so so yeah no position group wise yeah if we were doing like an article about versus versus yeah it's hard to it really it's crazy to think but it's hard to give Michigan State the advantage at any position yeah I'm, I'm comfortable with that statement I'm not comfortable personally with calling Michigan State broken because I think I I'm a maybe this is a, a not a good way to look at games but I often look at like not just the final result because that's rel. I mean that's the only one that matters but I do kind of look at what the game looked like and I so to me I think the fact that Michigan State went up 28-3 on Illinois suggests that there's at least something there you know, you mentioned Mosley, uh, Elijah Collins had a big game, 170 rushing yards. Lewerke didn't look efficient, but I mean, was making plays. You know, it's not like it's not like uh, Cody White forgot how to play receiver. You know, he's put up put up some solid numbers. I know he isn't quite what he was looking like as a true freshman two years ago, but um, you know, I think I saw they they have they have receivers who can make plays. Um, and they, they, they have an offense that at times has been able to produce. And I would not be surprised. I mean, think about this. They had a bye week right before the Illinois game. How many practices do you think they devoted to Michigan? Knowing the scope of their season, right. knowing um, kind of where things where they're at as a program. I mean, if, any, if anything, at least the coaches are spending a lot of time on Michigan because – in in reality, their job might be on the line. I mean, if they go out there and get clobbered by Michigan, I know everyone keeps saying, oh, they'll walk out on their own terms. I'm not so sure. Things can happen really quickly in college football, especially if if boosters have had enough. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm sure they're approaching this as the season can be saved if they beat Michigan. And if not, then things get really rough really quickly. I mean, you know, they didn't look good at, at Wisconsin. They didn't look good at 
Ohio State, although they did kind of wrestle with Ohio State as they much as anybody first, has early. They looked good in the first half. Yeah, I thought the, that that was a thing. Like the first half of that game, uh, their front four was very, very effective uh, against Ohio State's offensive line. So I'm with you, though, as far as a big picture in the game thing, because I, I kind of watched, rewatched a decent portion of this game. And yeah, there were definitely some things in the first half offensively that were working. Mm -hmm. And the other thing too, some new faces because Nelson's a guy I don't think has been healthy for a lot of the year. You talk about Mosley. Um, I feel like there was somebody else too that was made that made it. Well, they did throw yeah, Julian Barnett out there too. Quite, um, I don't have his numbers off the top of my head, but I mean, he's someone who obviously can make he made plays. a couple catches. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I agree with you. There's it's there's more context there. I mean, they have shown it in flashes, but yeah, again, I mean, you know, you don't blow a 28-3 lead at home without some kind of huge collapse across the board, you know. Fair. Fair, but I just I to me, I think if you go up 28-3, that means that for at least a spurt, you were clobbering Illinois more so than Wisconsin oh, did yeah. and as much so as Michigan sure. did. Kind of like, you know, when, when Michigan went up, what, 28 nothing or whatever it was in Illinois, Illinois kind of had that punch back. But I think everyone chalked that up to, and Michigan, the difference between Michigan and Michigan State is that they had an answer when Illinois clawed back. But it was it was similar in that, yeah, that first half, you saw a lot of offensive production. You saw a team that was clicking, that was that was working. So I'm not and, – and, and one thing that I, I've said this about the Michigan State game plan against Michigan for really since this podcast started, all throughout so much of D'Antonio's tenure, a big part of why they're 8-4 and four is because they basically have said the only way Michigan's offense will beat us is the pass. And I, I got to think that they're going to try that again. And if the weather's 30 degrees and we don't know what Shea Patterson's going to look like, you know, he certainly looked promising against, or at least efficient against Maryland, Notre Dame, and and um, and Penn State and Illinois too, I guess. Like, I think he looks like the best version that he's had all year. But if they really do shut down the run, they're 16th in rushing yards per carry allowed and 15th in rushing yards per game allowed. I mean, I could see it being a low-scoring affair, which is exactly what Michigan State would want. So... We'll get to our predictions in just a moment. Um, I, I just I don't know if I'm quite quite sold on broken. And and I will say, you know, you mentioned the better team usually wins. I think that's mostly true. If you look at Michigan's, the Michigan Michigan State rivalry at Michigan Stadium, D'Antonio, every single time, has exceeded expectations. You know, 2017, they were. I don't can't remember the exact spread, but it was it was kind of pitched as something similar to this. Now it was earlier on in the season, and they they won. 2015, I think ultimately Michigan State proved to kind of have the look and feel of a better team because they beat Ohio State. But it it didn't I, on that field. I remember covering that game. I did not feel like the better football team won that game necessarily. I think it was pretty even. But I felt like Michigan had a better game plan, played a better game, and then the play happened. Uh, 2012 was just this total dogfight. What was it, 12-10 final score? And then, you know, 2010 and, 
and 2008, obviously, people remember those games. So it's, I, I think I, I agree with you that I think it's overplayed. Like, I don't think Michigan State constantly is flipping Michigan on its head every single time. I think a lot of that has to do with people maybe overinflating what they think Michigan is. Like, in, in 2010, they started, what, 4-0? Right, they've had they've had seasons like yeah. that, and but at the same time, you know they haven't gone away until they go away quietly at Michigan Stadium. I don't know that you can necessarily predict that they will. Maybe you can, and and certainly a lot of people are. I don't know. A little bit of sticking point. Let's shift to Michigan. Some of the some of the internal team talk, maybe not internal, just just looking at Michigan. What Steve? What's concerns do you most want to be addressed in this game obviously if they win I don't think any fans will be upset or anything like that but they do have two more games a road game against what could be a ranked Indiana team and then of course Ohio State which is on paper they're going to be their toughest game of the season what concerns do you most want Michigan to address they had the bye week They've had two very good games in a row. They won by 31 both games. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. What sort of things are sticking out to you as, I think they have to take care of this, have to take care of this. I can start if you're still coming up with yours. They should... Yeah, go oh, ahead. I, you, you're yeah. ready? Oh, no, I okay. Say go I was going to say. It's, to me, I think the big one is, I think they got to show they can win with a passing attack. I don't know if that's necessarily the game plan they should have. I don't think that they should necessarily try to do that. Because in all likelihood, I mean, if they can run the ball like Wisconsin ran the ball against Michigan State or Ohio State ran the ball against Michigan State, just do that. You know, have a four-quarter game plan, wear them down, and and get out of there without any turnover issues or troubles. But I think if, if I'm evaluating whether Michigan can beat Ohio State, because you know who else really stacks the box against Michigan? Ohio State. And so at some point, they are going to need to pass the ball it's kind of like a basketball player. At some point, they're going to have to hit the three, or else people are just not going to defend them by the three-point line. And so, you know, I don't think they need to come out and throw 35 times against Michigan State. That sounds like it wouldn't be that productive, given the weather. But I think in, if they don't throw the ball downfield a couple times and make some big plays, I think Michigan State's going to put nine in the box and be comfortable with it and just say, yeah, we have a good run defense and not much else. Try to beat us. Maybe not nine in the box. That's that's quite a bit. But seven or eight. You know, general play to stop the run defense that they seem to do against Michigan. They seem to do it every year. And to D'Antonio's credit, it has been the right move just about every year. I mean, it's it's actually quite exceptional. I mean, what, you know, who was the last Michigan quarterback that would beat you with his arm? I mean, it was Rudock, but I don't know if he had totally realized that potential by the time Michigan State was playing Michigan. So some that for me, that's one concern I think 
you know, if you're looking to see what did they do during the bye week, how are they progressing, how are they getting better? If they want to go 10-2 and two and make a New Year's Six Bowl, I think they've got to be able to throw the ball, particularly downfield. But I think they've got to be... They've got to have a little bit more of an intimidating passing attack than they've had so far. Steve, what do you think? Uh, I agree in this case. You know, we talked kind of the opposite. I said the opposite for Maryland is that they should try to come out and run the football. But yeah, one thing, yeah, the one thing that Michigan State always does do effectively against Michigan, I feel like, is they basically force they they force Michigan's weakness to step up or for instance like offense like for them offensively for Michigan State on Saturday offensively what do you think to me what do I think they're going to do I think they're going to find they're going to I think they're going to try to spread things out a little bit and I think they're going to try to pick on Michigan's third cornerback right sure like that that's like that's the type of like Michigan State has always been effective in kind of pinpointing where Michigan is weak at, and then just trying to hammer away at that and force, then force Michigan out of their comfort zone or out of their maybe original game plan. So defensively, like you said, it'd be smart of Michigan State to really kind of go out all out and stop the run. And then, yeah, try to force Michigan to win through the air because, yeah, like you said, they really haven't had to do it this season. Uh, you know, they were effective in coming back against Penn State with the pass. But it hasn't been really the crux of, or really what's propelled them in their bigger wins so far and this they, season. You know, they've been in effective. fairness in that yeah, second half against Penn State, they only scored fourteen points. Like it's not like they were juggernauts throwing the ball right. either. Right. So, so yeah, I think this is a game. This is a Shea Patterson game more than other games have been, in my opinion. Because yeah, I think you know. Michigan State's back four is definitely vulnerable, and Michigan. I think Michigan State, if history plays out the way, you know, instead of tr- maybe trying to assist and help their back four, I think they're going to solidify things with their front seven to force Michigan, you know, into making maybe bad decisions throwing the football or, you know. Like I, that's what I suspect that they're going to try to do because if yeah if Michigan can if Michigan comes out and is able to run the football effectively right out of the gate on Saturday then I definitely think this game could become a blowout. Mm-hmm. So for me I think it, it is because if Michigan State comes out and is able to stop the run and is forcing throw after throw after throw, we've seen plenty of instances where Patterson can get a little uncomfortable, ball comes out too quick. You know, and some some questionable decisions can be made, and so I kind of suspect that that's what Michigan State's going to force Michigan to do. So yeah, I think this is a game. I agree with you fully, actually. That I think passing the football is paramount in this in this game for Michigan yeah. uh, for them to you know to win. Yeah. Really. Interesting point about exploiting that that third corner, maybe just slot coverage in general, whether it's a third corner or a safety. Right. I just because it's you know a, yeah. I was just going to say. Well, it's just he got you got Thomas and Hill, mm-hmm. right? And and so I just, you know, teams have picked on Gray, who I think would be their third corner. You know, teams have really tested him. You think about no, granted it was in junk time, but you know, Notre Dame scored that last touchdown, basically throwing at him the entire way down the field. Is that just feels like something that Michigan State is going to try to do? They're going to try to 
exploit that third guy, and I think they're also going to do the whole uh, one, two, one, two, three drop, right. one, two, yep. three throw, one, two, three throw. You know, they're that they're going to dink and dunk all day long. Like I have, I'd be shocked if you see a bunch of if you see hardly any, or if you see more than a few long developing pass plays from them on Saturday. I, I just think it's going to be bang, bang, bang. Try to dink and dunk down the field. Maybe hope you can break a couple tackles, and then try. They're, obviously, they're going to try to run the football too. I mean, they should. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's. I, I suspect that's what their game plan is mm-hmm. going to be. Yeah, I think I think they look a lot like, and I don't mean this in the sense that they're of this quality because I think Michigan State would um, pretty soundly beat Rutgers in Middle Tennessee. But it's it's of similar quality in that I think their offensive line is porous enough. That they're basically just saying, as you, as you said, one, two, three, throw, or just get the ball out as soon as you can, even if it's not five, ten yards downfield. Just get it to a guy who runs fast and have them run downfield away from this defensive line. And so a lot of you know, I don't, I don't know if they're actually running ten personnel, but kind of, kind of this idea where they're just Rutgers did it with with Blackshear and. Uh, Oh, the other Pacheco, maybe the other guy's name escapes me. Yes. Um, and then, yep. you know, middle Tennessee did the same thing with their variety of slot E running back E H back type players. I, I think you're going to see a lot of that. So I guess, I guess covering the flats will be maybe what, what the defense can prove because I, I, I don't think they're going to give up a lot of big plays. I do think they're going to get a lot of pressure on the worky. I, I do think they're, overall receiver coverage will be solid. I just, I mean, if you can snuff that one thing out and that's where someone like McGrone or Glasgow to faster linebackers, that's where they come in so much, so much in handy is that, you know, if they can snuff out some of the, in Kalik Hudson too, if they can snuff out some of those plays, you know, maybe five yards to the left of the tackle, right? Just, just a little bit further from the line of, or from the, from the, um, where the ball was snapped. Then I I think that I don't know where Michigan State scores. To be frank, I I just I think that's that's the biggest key for the defense, and that's something Ohio State's going to do too. You know they have a good offensive line, they have good downfield threats, obviously, but at the same time, um, you know they're going to try to get the ball to J.K. Dobbins outside the tackles. They're going to try to get the ball uh, to to K.J. Hill, and is, is it K.J. So- Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Michigan State, I watched, like I said, I actually went and rewatched some of that game against Illinois. They did run a lot of bubble screen. They Not a lot, but they did run a decent amount of bubble screen type stuff. The other thing they did pretty effectively too that I think Michigan will probably be keeping an eye on is it wasn't so much an RPO, but it was sort of a that quick play action and then the tight end just kind of releases, you know, down the seam. But it's very short, though. Not a long distance, not a long throw at all. But Sabert maybe chip the guy and then release, and they run a little bit of a little play action to him for about six or seven yards. You know, it's like that's the type of play I could see them maybe trying to run on like a first down. You know, to work themselves into some second and three, second and four type situations. So then that's where yeah, Michigan's linebackers are capable of of covering that play. But that's that's to me, I because I, I was kind of watching for examples of plays where. You know, because yeah, they're going to try to neutralize Michigan's pass rush as much as they possibly. It is not going to be a you know they're not going to their tackles saying, "Hey, we got to stop these guys. You guys got to slow <laughs> these guys down today." I mean, they're going to do everything they can to help their linemen from having to 
block right. these guys for too right. long. And that was there's a few different wrinkles that they were kind of mixing in. They did mix in some downfield stuff, but again, I don't think Illinois' defensive line is uh, nearly as effective as Michigan's is. So Illinois, though, so they had no sacks, but still had, I think, eight and a half tackles for a hmm. loss, which I thought was, in a weird way, I actually thought that said more about how poor Michigan State's offensive line is in that because a lot of their passing game was sort of that quick, you know, a lot uh, they, a lot of things were run a lot faster. Said a lot that they still gave up eight tackles for a loss, even though they didn't yield a sack. Right? I mean, that's didn't Lewerke have negative four rushing yards? I th- possibly. The, the, I just just checked yeah, the box score. It said zero sack. Because I thought I thought that Illinois had gotten to him a few times. Um, I don't know. Maybe if he had. Yeah, I don't know. But the the box score said eight and a half tackles for a loss, zero sacks. Um, now again, a few of those could have been. Sacks, effectively sacks yeah yeah you know but um so like i said one of the things i kind of looked for was that quick how were they how were they utilizing their quick passing game and that was like i said that little dra- that little sort of half rpo to the tight end you know up the seam a little bit five or six yards downfield was something i saw them use a couple times i think that'd be something to kind of watch because they seem to like uh saber i think is his name he's he kind of supplanted dotson as their number one guy at tight end. I think they kind of like him. So uh, could be a guy to watch in that regard. But yeah, you're not, you're going to see very little of that sort of, because I think Michigan is comfortable enough with their front seven to where I don't think you're going to be seeing safeties necessarily bite hard on any play action type mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I mean, just again, because of that, Collins is a very good back, actually. Another, that's one spot they always seem to eval pretty well. Michigan State is, is that running back. And Collins looks like a guy uh, but I don't see them biting too much on the play action stuff. It was the play action just takes time to develop. I think Michigan would rather take their chances in letting their front four, you know, if they have that much time, I think they feel like they're going to get to him yeah, consistently, yeah. you know? And so just their short stuff was stuff that I think Michigan should expect and is probably preparing to see mm-hmm. on Saturday. Well, any other, any other concerns can be brought up in our over-unders. We'll, we'll knock these out really quickly. Of course, they always come from Neil or via Azul on the message boards. Last week, or I guess two weeks ago, uh, I got seven of them right. You got six of them right. So the scores are 56 to 55. I have a lead. That, that's out of 100. So we're really not shooting much higher than 50% this season. Here we go. Uh, number one, 10 and a half first downs from passing from all of Michigan's quarterbacks. So 11 passing first downs. So they get like probably, what, 23-ish first downs per game. I think Michigan's going to be nursing a lead for most of this game. That's my preview to my prediction. I'm going to say under. I think they're going to run the ball more than more often than they'll pass. and, And I think that eventually, maybe not in the first quarter, but I think eventually they'll do so successfully. Steve? over and i think this is my thought if they are nurse if they are in fact nursing a lead i think saturday becomes a game where i do not believe michigan goes into turtle mode i think they keep the pedal to the metal in this game if they get a lead not necessarily so much because they're trying to make a statement or anything again on michigan state i mean that could play a part in it but again you have ohio state in two weeks and you know you and i've talked a lot about 
and I agree that the, the passing game, I think, is obviously going to be hugely necessary in that game. And so I think if they do get a lead, I think you're going to see them open it up a little bit more. Again, weather, I think the weather's supposed to be okay, right? It's going to be cold, but it's not going to be inclement, right? Uh, Yeah, no precipitation like forecasted. Forecast. Just yeah. cold? Yeah, so I, I kind of think they're going to... I think they're going to keep throwing the ball around, honestly. That's my gut instinct here. I could be wrong, but uh, I'm going to say over. Okay, next one. Uh, Shea Patterson rushes for two and a half first downs himself. Steve? Under. Okay, I'm going to say over. I think he probably can get three or four first downs rushing. Okay. Um, at least... 49.5 rushing yards each for Haskins and Charbonnet. So what is the low total from from the two? I think I'm going to say over. I'll take a, I think I'll say over there. I'm going to go under for each. I don't know. We'll see if one guy kind of sets the tone. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd go over yet. Like that that one though of the three so far, I feel least comfortable on that. Yeah, I, I it really kind of depends on how they use Charbonnet because it seems like they they're really comfortable with him in the red zone, but they almost seem to favor Haskins outside of the red zone. So does I he agree. have does he get enough carries to get his fifty yards? I'm not so sure. Eleven and a half targets combined for Collins and Peoples Jones. I'm gonna say under. I, I every time I take take the bait on these target ones, I think I lose. So I'm going. I'm going to go ahead and say under, just almost on principle, because I seem to get all, get this one wrong when I guess high all the time. I'm with you. Under. All right. Three point five catches of at least twenty five yards from Michigan receivers and tight ends. So four under. or more. Yeah, I'm going to say under. I think they only have like twelve such plays all season. If I'm, maybe maybe it's more than that. I think they have 11 of 30, 11 catches of 30 or more yards all season. Um, I'm comfortable with the under there. 43.5% third down conversion through the first three quarters. Boy, we're getting specific there. Okay, so 43.5% <laughs> conversion rate in the first three quarters. I'll say... I'll say under. I agree with you again. I'm going to go under as well. I don't even know what normal. <laughs> I don't even know what the, like, the normal yeah, no, is there. A... Could have flipped a coin on okay, that Okay, six and a half. Oh, I feel comfortable with this one. Six and a half points scored in, in Michigan's first three drives. I'm going to say over there. Yeah, I think they buck the trend a little bit and score early i think the bigger the really the bigger question for saturday is does michigan state score early uh, that scripted their scripted drives to begin games have been very effective against michigan even when michigan's really good so i think the bigger question is what does michigan state do early i do think michigan scores on one of their first three possessions though so i agree okay Hopefully. shifting to the defense three and a half sacks for michigan's defensive line plus josh uj I hate. I've mentioned I don't really like doing these sack ones. I, I said on the radio today I'd set the over under at four and a half for Michigan's total sacks. So can that come from the defensive line and Uche? I'm gonna. I'll I'll take it. I, I might lose there. I'll take it. I think they get at least four sacks. The D line plus Uche. 
I'm going to say over because I think Michigan will score a couple of sacks that basically consist of the pocket collapsing, lower he attempting to escape and make a run with it, and Michigan getting him before he crosses the line of scrimmage. Okay. So not necessarily your classic beat the tackle around the edge mm-hmm. and throw him to the ground. I think you'll get a couple of those because I do think you're going to see Lewerke try to run the football, you know, if at least a few times, if not a lot, really. And uh, I think Michigan will get him a couple of times before he gets back to the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage. 49.5, nope. 46.5 completion percentage for all Michigan State quarterbacks. I'm taking the under. I, I, I know they're going to try to do some gimmies, try to do some some easy ones. Maybe the the Wisconsin passing playbook, if you will. I just I don't think they've been very efficient. If it's not Lewerke, they're even less efficient. So I, I'll take the under there. I mean, he hasn't like the numbers are have not been from a completion percentage standpoint. The numbers haven't really been good all season. Uh, Michigan's pass D is. Last couple, last few seasons have done a great job against Michigan State quarterbacks. I'm, I'm gonna they are to go. 108th in the country with a 54.3% completion rate all season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been, and again, that I, I honestly, just a quick aside, I'm not as big, a, I'm not that big of a Brian Lewerke hater. I really think Michigan State's biggest problem is that their offensive line stinks. I mean, that, yes, or that they've stunk. I'm not, I'm not, that they've not been good. Um, but I'm I'm with you. I just Michigan's just this is right into Michigan's wheelhouse there, and I know there's going to be a lot of motivation after the was it last year was the five for twenty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's going to have some motivation to try to come out and play his best game. But you know, yeah, you're leading receivers out. We talk about the offensive line. I just it's going to be tough. You know, if he's able to do that, then credit to him because he's. It, the deck is kind of stacked against him. So, yeah. uh, but I'll say I'll be with you. I'll go. I under. mentioned if they had 22 players that were as good as Brian Lewerke at different positions, they'd probably be an eight and four type team. They don't have that. I, they don't I have agree. that. They, they're missing not just Stewart, but several other two deep receivers. The offensive line is, well, we've, we've probably spent enough time talking about it. Um, just not, not a, not a environment that leads to passing success. One and a half turnovers forced by Michigan's defense. I think they get two. I do. So I guess I'm saying over there. I, I, I mean, didn't I believe Michigan State had three or four turnovers against Illinois? So my philosophy is if Illinois can do it in East Lansing, Michigan can probably do it in Ann Arbor, at least to an extent. I, I have to agree. I think they get two. One and a half was. That's an. That's just begging you to say over. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm with you. 54.5 yards rushing from Elijah Collins. I, I, it sounds like my predictions are basically just saying Michigan State's going to get shut out because I'm taking Michigan on each of these. I'm going to say under. I, you know, they, Wisconsin held him to 16 rushing yards on eight carries. And I don't think, I, I'm not predicting 38 nothing or anything like that. But Michigan has done a phenomenal job really since their trip to Wisconsin of shutting down the run game. You know, we saw they they really contained Maryland, maybe not 54 and a half yards contained, but they really contained Maryland, they contained Penn State, they contained Iowa and Illinois. I 54 and a half is pretty low. 
I might regret it. I'm going to say under, though. I'm going to go over. Um, I just I think he'll get like one really good run. For like 25, 26 yards. And then I think I think he'll get the ball enough. I think again, I think Michigan's defense will just will they'll be effective overall. But I think I think he'll get a couple decent runs in there. I actually, you know, you watch him. I think Collins is a pretty solid I back. I think he'll I think he'll create especially really for a true freshman. He's really he's really good for a true freshman, really. I mean when you watch him. Um I'll go over slightly. I think he gets a couple nice runs and you know, and, and gets there. Yeah, he's up there in terms of freshmen in the country and rushing yards over 700 already. I just, I, I look at what Wisconsin did to him. I just don't think, yeah, I just don't really think he'll do much better against Michigan, who has quietly had a top three run defense in the country since September ended. Uh, next one, four and a half catches for Cody White over under. Steve? That's a tough one because he's not the guy you think of when you think of like quick twitch uh, passing game, but he is their most reliable receiver. I feel like uh, so I'll have to go over. I think he I think they'll he's their safest option at receiver, and I think he's got good enough hands. I think he'll and they're gonna throw the ball enough. I think I think he'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a little stumped. I because I, I I mean his motivation is gonna be high. He's from the state. You know he knows this is. His chance, it's he's gonna get more and more comfortable facing number one corners as as the season goes on without Stewart. I will say, I will say over. I mean, I'm sure someone on their team will com- have five catches, and I I gotta think it's him. Got to remember, Dotson's also out too, so they lost another you know go to receiving option uh, last week due to another injury. 149.5 yards offense allowed in the first half. I'm taking the under there. I don't I don't think it'll be quite like last season. Actually, I don't think it'll be much like last season, but but 150 at halftime. I don't know if Michigan State has that in them right now. Yeah, I'll go under as well. Okay, last one. 0.5 times that MSU has a lead in the game. Do they have a lead at any point in the game? I, I'm weirdly, I'm gonna take the over. I think State gets like a field goal on their first drive. Just throw. I don't know. Just guess. Okay, I will. D- just a wonky rivalry game. I know this sounds like an easy under, but again, we're getting to the point where our predictions make it sound like it's gonna be like seven, seventy-one to three. <laughs> Well, I was um, down on the offense just I, just for the record, but yeah. Sure, sure. I'll say I'll say over. I do. I think they kick a field goal to begin the game. I think they score first. Okay. All right, those were our over unders. Now we can jump into our prediction. We'll, add, we'll try to add a little bit more juice to these than than we used to versus just the score. So, Steve, what do you predict is going to happen in this game? I think Michigan State keeps it close for a little bit, but not long enough to kind of, what would I say, prolong the game, if you know what I mean, where kind of that underdog builds up enough confidence to where this becomes a four-quarter football game. I just, again, I just, if Michigan State was fully healthy, 
this might be a different conversation, but they're they're not even close to healthy. They've they just blew a huge lead against a team that you know again Illinois solid. We've seen that happen. We've seen that develop. You know I think when Michigan played Illinois, we thought man Michigan almost blew a lead to Illinois, but <laughs> since then Illinois won like four straight. Yeah, really done. Yeah, they've really done some stuff. So you know uh, that being said. I have Michigan. I had twenty. I think I did twenty-eight to fourteen in our uh, staff predictions. I'm gonna up it slightly. I say thirty-one to fourteen. I just, I just think this is one of those games. I just, I don't know. I think Michigan just kind of comfortably wins it. I don't think there's anything crazy or, or outrageous that happens. I think Michigan just kind of comfortably, basically, just sort of by the script. Michigan comfortably beats a team that they should beat at home. Sure. I I think Michigan's defense is going to be able to do just about whatever it wants in this game. I don't think that will be the case for Michigan's offense. I think, you know, Michigan State's defense as as much as it has looked flawed, I don't know that it is completely on the ground broken. That said, they have allowed 30 points plus in four straight games, which would suggest that they are completely on the ground broken. But they had two bye weeks. They are comfortable playing at Michigan Stadium. At least history suggests that they are. They do have a solid run defense. And, you know, Brandon Peters answered the call last week when they dared Illinois to pass. Illinois didn't do much on the ground. Does Michigan answer the call in the same way? I think they do enough. I think they do enough. I've got Michigan... Dominating on defense, doing just enough on offense, winning 24 to 10. So Michigan 24, Michigan State 10. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Check out all of our stories. We have preview stuff, uh, Q&As with the Michigan State beat writer, position-by-position preview, uh, other ways looking at this matchup, seeing what Michigan and Michigan State are saying about this game. Lots of content uh, to go along with some basketball and some recruiting content as well. Be sure to check it all out at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll see you this weekend after the game.